Hello, hello. This is your host Dhyutama, and welcome to the My Food Lens podcast, where we talk everything from food photography, styling to business and mindset. I promise to keep it raw and real here, and hope that you find your answers, action, and inspiration as we move through the episodes. This is episode two, and today we are talking about every photographer's favorite subject. light well ask us photographers a tiny question on light and we can go on forever and forever <laughs> no i'm not going to do that but i will talk about light in the way i see it and feel it in my world of food photography well, light is everything in photography right it is the backbone of a picture so i'm just going to exaggerate and say that you know as important as oxygen is for life and water is for fish the same way you know light is that important for photography well i might be a little bit exaggerating but i cannot emphasize this enough how light is the backbone of a picture you know how we see food the way we make our audience experience taste and colors and textures just by looking at a photo it's all through light uh-huh well the way we bring food to life the way we make a 2d picture look 3d is the way we bring light into our photos and i just cannot emphasize this enough guys it's the way we use light so i, I you're going to hear the word light like a thousand a million times in this podcast today because honestly our photography is based on the kind of light that we use it is all about the light that we use you know like the details of food the details that we want our audience to see that is also dictated by the way light falls on our food you know how we bring out that very photogenic side of food that leaves people drooling that makes our food look delicious it's absolutely dictated by how we shape light so that's how important it is and and for anyone who's been in food photography for a while or starting out you know this already you know this i'm just i'm just here to you know kind of bring this back the attention back to light because many times uh it it kind of takes a back seat when we have so much going on in a photo shoot but you know you know i get very excited i get very excited when i see photos of like glowing honey or beverage you know like a red beverage or tea a blue tea with light through it yeah, you know what i'm talking about right so um you know those specular highlights on glistening blackberries or the shiny glossy chocolate it really excites me i am drawn into the picture because just by looking at the picture i can tell the light is totally doing its magic there and it it does it you know the food just comes alive well even in storytelling which is such a big part of our food photography light is key because that's how we create stories of course with food but we bring life to food through light so even in storytelling light is key now imagine imagine i'm a photographer i'm sitting in singapore right i have the beach i have coconut trees i have the sand i have tons of sun i am tanning in the tropics 
That's where I am. That's what I'm feeling around me, right? But sitting here, I can create photos for a brand based in a Nordic country. So, you know, where the seasons are different and the feel is different. It's not bright and sunny. It's kind of somber and gloomy with just maybe a little hint of sun every now and then. Uh, so how do I do that? How do I, how you know, how do I be in Singapore but create something that is so Nordic? Well, I do that with light. Uh-huh. You know, so here's what I would do. Um, I would I would love to like create this kind of moody light with soft blue tones because we're talking about gloomy and somber a little bit, right? So I would create this moody light with soft blue tones, but then I would bring in that warmth to the frame with the food. Like I might have a coffee bot pot, you know, brewing by the window or like just showing a streak of sun falling through that window. Just something that gives that glimmer of warmth, but still delivers the like the cool message. So I would maybe even add like steam coming out through the coffee pot, just just something to warm up the frame, but keep the light in a way that cools everything down. So there's this balance of uh, warm and cool happening, but at the same time, I'm capturing the essence of what someone might feel in the morning when they are in, you know, one of these Nordic countries. So I feel like light is that powerful, guys. Light is that powerful. You know, it brings out mood and emotion and feelings and stories. I mean, that was a story, right? And Light really does help us that way. I mean, you might feel like I'm getting over emotional right now, but trust me, we have to get intimate with our light. We have to think about emotionally when we work with it, because if we don't feel it, how will we communicate it? How will we make our audience feel it? You know, how else do you think we can create those beautiful visual stories through our photos? I mean, if you're sitting under uh, under a, a coconut tree on the beach and you're you're shooting margaritas, you're feeling something, right? There is an emotion to the light that is filtering through the coconut trees and it's falling on your picnic mat and the way the, the lime, lemony, icy margarita is coming to life. This is all an emotion. And as much as we see it as part of a striking photo, it instills a mood in our audience. It tells them a story. It makes them feel things. And we need to feel those things if we want to create strong visual stories through our photos. Well, storytelling is such a big part of photography, right? Especially food photography, because we want to transport our audience into the frame. We want them to experience the food through the picture. Now, food is such a sensation. It, it fills out all our senses in very different ways. Imagine that we have the task of communicating that sensory experience to our audience through that picture. We have a lot of burden on our shoulders, my friend. We really need to work hard on bringing that feeling forward through our photos. You know, but, but very often, like, we just get bogged down by 
composition and placement. Oh my God, my drip needs to be here. The mango slice needs to be there. I shouldn't have put iced here. Ah, oh, why is there oil on the plate? I need to clean my dishes. Like there's just so many com complexities that bog us down, you know, in, in the way that we kind of let light take a back seat. And we, uh, we start focusing on many other things uh, because light is there. It's always there, right? But I'm just going to say this, um, that a good photo does not need to be elaborate and expansive, but a good photo must always have good lighting. Like, I just cannot emphasize this enough, guys. We get bogged down by composition and placement, but we often put light um, at the, in the background. But what we really need to be working with is everything together and light at the center of it all. We work with food, right? Food is a powerful subject. I mean, I have met very few folks who are not that fond of food, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't fond of beautiful food photography. So we have this extra burden of this other sect of audience that might not be that interested in food, but they might be very interested in the photos, the, the creative photos we create. So what do we need to do to deliver to our audience? What do we need to do to bring out that emotion and feeling in the people who look at our work, who look at our pictures? Well, it starts with training our eyes. It, we just have to train our eyes to start observing light. Like, let's say we work with natural light. You know, there is a charm in just sitting by the side and observing how the light changes through the day. You can be seated on your, on your sofa or your couch, having your cup of tea in the morning and just watching the sun move in the first half of the day, you know. And there's just so many opportunities that might come to your mind just looking at the way the light moves. And you might also just observe how the morning light is much cooler than the afternoon light and how the golden hour is so bright yellow, orangey, golden, and it can bring out such magic in our photos. Yeah, there's a charm in that. There is a power in that. That observation is powerful, boss. It is powerful. You know, there's power in being able to harness the light and shape it just to be able to create our vision. Imagine how much power we have if we are just able to train our eyes to observe light and see it in the same way that we want our audience to experience it, right? And then there is obviously this other side of light. It's called harsh light. So I love harsh light. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. It is so trending right now. And um, I think it's an acquired taste, but I love it. I love it. I work with so many brands that are using harsh light right now for their photography. And not just because it fits their very edgy brand, but it also makes them stand out from their competition. So it's a very statement light. It's very strong. You know, when you look at those uh, shadows, you feel something very dramatic in it. And I love it. I think it definitely uh, says something to the audience in a very powerful way. So 
I love observing harsh light, you know, in, in the mornings at, in, in my living room. Honestly, this is what I do. So at around 10 a.m., you know, on days when I'm not out for a shoot, I will uh, at around 10 a.m. sit on the couch, have my tea, and I get this whole beautiful sea of direct light coming into my living room. And I'll just watch. I'll just watch. I'll have my tea and I'll see how where the shadows are falling. And sometimes I like to play around a little bit. So <laughs> I keep bottles and glasses and just objects of different shapes and heights. They don't even need to be food. They're just something interesting that might have texture or a pattern, you know. And I just put it in the light and I will watch how the shadows dance. I will watch how the colors glow and how they get reflected on the floor on my tiles. And it just gives me so much inspiration because what am I doing? I'm doing nothing. I'm observing. I'm learning. I'm letting my mind be free for those, uh, you know, 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever time that I can dedicate. But I, I'm just watching. And even though I might not have the idea for a photo just by looking at the light move around, but I know that the next time I'm working with light, I have these images in my subconscious mind that I have observed and watched, and they will in some way inspire me or teach me how I can control light, how I can move things around to really create those dancing shadows in my own image, right? So that is the power of ins of observation. And, you know, every time I want to create dramatic photos or shake up my creativity, because, well, we all need to do that at some point, right? I always fall back on my learnings from these like bottle experiments and my little cups of tea and my uh, colored water, you know, and I apply them to my photos. So the power of, of observation is amazing and you will not even realize how they will shape your photography and how they will inform your style and they will teach you so much. Uh, I swear, guys, it really does. So, well, you know, depending on your style, your story, your food, you can always choose the style of light. I mean, there is definitely the soft light that we see, uh, you know, with these beautiful, nice, diffuse shadows. It's very supportive. It's very versatile. You can almost use it for any kind of food. But then we have harsh light, you know, hard light, harsh light. And it is dramatic. It's statement. Uh, but it totally depends on your style. And your style does not have to be limited to one kind of light. Your style can be anything. You should just explore. You should just let your creativity always be loose. Create your stories, make your food shine and use light in a way that you interpret it in that you want your audience to feel it. One question that I'm often asked is how to maximize light for photography, especially when someone is working full time and only has an evening available to shoot. Well, here's what I say. Number one, Try to see if you can make use of the golden hour. I mean, this is assuming that you shoot in natural light. So try to make use of the golden hour or, you know, the hour after the golden golden hour. So even there, you have a little bit of light that is still available. You can bump up your camera settings and bring in some more light into your photo. Or you can just 
create the mood that you're seeing in the light at that time of the day. I mean, why not harness that? Why not maximize that mood? You know, it could be something that has an evening dinner scene or an evening, a late evening cocktail or just a little bit of glimmer of light there, but really a moody photo. And it's so true to what you are experiencing at that time. And it's so true to the way you are bringing it out to your audience and you don't, you're maximizing whatever light that you have available to you, right? The one thing that I will definitely suggest if you're shooting at night is to stay away from the ceiling lights that we have at home. They're just so artificial. They are so, ah, you know, warm and they just do not make our food look appetizing or our photo look good in any way. And you know, honestly, I, that's the only one thing I will ask to steer away from is all these lights that we have in our home. So if any way you can harness the whatever natural light that you have available, that would be one. Or if you have the budget to kind of invest in basic artificial lighting gear, that would be definitely give you it it'll, it'll give you wings it will it will make you so strong it will it will take away the stress from you so uh you know i i just want to tell you like artificial light there's so much buzz around it nowadays so i just have to tell you about it when i started photography um you know about two and a half three years back there was a lot of buzz around natural light and and people were all gaga over natural light is this and it's that and it's art and it's ra-ra-ra. And, you know, people almost looked down upon those who used artificial light. Uh, well, <laughs> so much that in the beginning, I was very hesitant to share with people that I use artificial light for my photography. You know, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to shoot for all kinds of clients. So I wanted to shoot for commercial, editorial, restaurants, hotels, like whatever came my way, I wanted to be equipped to shoot for them. And that's why I just went right for artificial light and that's it was uh, quite early on in my photography journey and that's how it has progressed and it's worked out beautifully for me. But honestly, there was a time where I would not tell people that I've shot it with artificial light. Not that I would lie, but I would just say, uh-huh, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and it was as if you were cheating. I, I'm not exaggerating, folks. I'm really telling you there was this whole big thing around natural light. And then the trend began to shift and a lot of influential photographers began to talk openly about artificial light and how good it was. And, you know, I began to feel comfortable telling the world about it. Today, I see so many budding photographers and new photographers and bloggers. And, you know, I see so many folks wanting to learn artificial light. And it's not just because they have some kind of constraints that they don't have access to natural light. But because they want to up their skill, they want to learn a new skill. And that's why they want to learn artificial light. Like it's so comforting to me, to be honest. Um, I always say that every kind of light in photography has its place. Every kind of photography has its place and every kind of light has its place. So whether you shoot in natural light or artificial light, you have a place, my friend. You know, when I was starting out and I, I started working with artificial light, it was quite daunting. It was quite daunting. The number one thing was obviously the financial investment. It's expensive. 
then learning how to assemble these lights, how to work with the interface and the controls, how to shape the light and how to kind of have the amount of light that I really want in a frame. All this was quite, uh, it was quite a learning curve, you know, but but isn't it the same like when we shift from uh, uh, auto mode in our camera to manual mode? We take control of things. We learn. So just like we learn our camera settings, the same way we learn artificial light. So I just want to say that if you are as intimidated as I am with artificial light, you don't need to be. You really don't need to be. You can always continue to shoot with natural light. But on the side, slowly begin to learn artificial light. I mean, and, and very soon you'll be rocking it, you know. So don't be intimidated. The other question that I'm very frequently asked is what kind of artificial light to start with, especially for beginners? Well, honestly, I just like to keep things simple. And I just want to like, I just break it down in a very easy way for myself. That's how I do it. That's how I suggest to people there is no kind of complexity here. So there are three main kinds of artificial lights that I would suggest. Um, one would be a speed light, strobes. These are two kinds of flash, or they could be continuous light. So the kind of light depends on your budget, your style of photography, what kind of clients you want to shoot for, and where you want to be, what kind of photography do you really want to do. So let's start with continuous light. Now, continuous light is amazing because if you like doing videos, uh, then this is the light for you, my friend. And it also does stills. So you can take one light where you can um, get two kinds of content from it, videos and still photos. So it's obviously the light quality is not as good as flash, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And also it, it'll work in your budget because you're going to be able to do videos and stills with that same light. All right. Then we have flash. And when we talk of flash, the starter would be a speed light. So speed light is great for photography. Why? Because it has so many, there's so many options in the market and it's pocket friendly, not only financially, but it's pocket friendly because if you want to carry it to a shoot, well, pop it in your bag and you're good to go. It is so handy dandy that, uh, you know, it just makes it easier because we anyway have so much luggage when we are off to shoots, right? So speed light is amazing. There are lots of choices in the market and you can choose something that uh, suits your budget. And especially if you are blogging or you're a hobbyist or you have client work, which is pretty straightforward, like a simple restaurant shoot, speed lights are amazing and they work with different styles of modifiers. So you have a lot of flexibility there and you can create amazing images which are almost as good as strobes and one can barely tell the difference, uh, of course, saying as long as you can nail your light, right? Uh, next, we go to strobes. Well, that's my kind of flash, my favorite kind of flash. And it's because they are powerful. Their light rendering is gorgeous but they can be bulky and they definitely don't fit in my pocket. I need to lug them to shoots and I have to be very careful when handling them because they are so expensive. But again, I knew that I always wanted to work with a certain kind of clients and many of them want me to shoot with strobes. That is a requirement of the job. So 
it just made sense for me to invest in this from the beginning and learn it because of the way I wanted my photography to progress. So you, you can go from continuous light to speed light to strobes. You can go from speed light to strobes. You can start with strobes. It's your story. You tell it your way. It's your journey. You do it your way. The one thing that I will say is there is a lot of talk on social media right now about light. Everyone is sharing so much about what kind of light they use and artificial light is definitely the talk of the town. But my advice would be, folks, please don't feel the pressure. You know, if someone is using speed light and you're using natural light, that does not mean that their photo is better. It just means that they are taking their skills up a notch and they are in a different point in their journey. So please do not compare. Don't think that just because you are using a different kind of light, it's not enough, good enough. No, 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 not at all. You're absolutely, you're as cool as them. You're cooler than them, you know, because I truly believe that irrespective of the light you use, irrespective, you can use natural light, you can use a harsh light, you can use uh, you can use strobes, you can do whatever, but just making sure that your fundamentals are strong is key to nailing a picture. In fact, I always suggest that spending the time to know your light, spending the time to learn how to handle natural light, to shape it, to really, you know, how I say, get intimate with it. Uh, if you do all of that beforehand, before jumping on the artificial light train, it's going to be so helpful because you would already have your basics clear, your fundamentals would be in place and you would just be adding another layer of learning or skill to your uh, kit and that would be just how to assemble this light and how do I learn the power and you know all the technicalities. But you know that once your technicalities are in place, your fundamentals are already there. You know how to shape light, you know what direction works because you're, you've spent the time in observing and learning right? So get your basics right, know your natural light like in and out, and then go and progress or upgrade to artificial light. Because there's so many complexities that come with artificial light and you want to not be overwhelmed. You want to still keep the joy in this process after all, right? So just like a camera doesn't take photos, even the light doesn't shape by itself. We need to do that. So whether you're using a camera, a phone, uh, whatever device that you're using, just understand your light and learn how to shape it before you go and make this huge investment. Just because everyone is on the artificial light wagon right now, you don't need to be on it unless you think it's the right time. Well, you know, think of where you want your photography to be in five years. Think of what kind of clients you want to work with. Think of whether it is a reasonable investment right now. Think of whether you will actually ultimately want to upgrade in a year or two. So give it a lot of thought before you actually go and buy something. In fact, I always advise that if you have a rental service around you, just go and hire the lights, rent the lights, try some kind of modifiers, get an umbrella on, try to assemble a softbox, you know, work with all of, thing, all of these things, rent it out, see what kind of lights work for your style and your working model. And that's a very good way to gauge what you should invest in because these things are not cheap, my friend. <laughs> well, 
I'm just going to end by saying, take baby steps, don't take pressure, and make wise choices. Light in all its forms is beautiful. And if we know how to work with it, we can work with any kind of gear and we can work with it like a boss. So understand your light, observe it, get emotional about it, get intimate with it, get excited about your work, make your fundamentals so strong that when the, when the time comes, you can nail your vision no matter what kind of gear you have. All right, guys, with that thought, I will leave you with your light and see you next time with another episode. Until then, folks, bye-bye.